Hello there, everybody. Do you like to hear some behind-the-scenes stories from some of Hollywood's actors and actresses? Well, head over to electronicmediacollective.com and check out Bull Spit with Moose, where you can listen to Moose sit down and talk to some of your favorite childhood actors and actresses, writers and producers from some of your favorite TV shows. So come on, let's go to get the inside scoop over at electronicmediacollective.com and check out Bull Spit with Moose. Let's see what Moose has in store today. Christmas Moose brings to you me. survive a horror movie. Well, that's great. Either I have a monster in my kitchen or I'm completely crazy. People want to forget this was Crystal Lake. They don't need some kids stirring up Jason shit again. This is now the United States of Zombie Land. Zombie Land. That is right. Welcome to another special resurrection of Zombilly's Horror Hour. I am your host, Zombilly, and don't start getting confused trying to figure out, wait a minute, I clicked on a different podcast, what in the hell is this? You're right, you are listening to Moose's Monster Mash. He has been delivering days upon days worth of horrifying Christmas tales. But today... It is time to get to know Moose. He's been interviewing all kinds of other people, getting their stories out. Why not get his story out? How did he get into the horror franchise and genre? How did he get into podcasting? What was it that set him on this terrifying journey? And we're here to find that out. So... I am your host for this evening, Zombilly, and with me is your regular host, the host with the most, who to moose, he to moose, the host of Moose's Monster Mash, Moose. I feel like I've lost control of my own show. You have. (laughs) (laughs) So, welcome listeners. To the spooky sounds. I'm gonna stop going with the whole like trying to <laughs> come up with fun, witty things to say, and I'm just gonna interview my friend. And but you know what I was saying is true. I I want to uh, get his voice heard and and hear about why he you know started podcasting, getting into the horror genre, and why he wanted to do a podcast about the horror genre. And uh, to to start with that. We, we kind of have to go to the beginning and what are some of the very first horrifying memories that you had? Well, there's this white light and a doctor. I don't know. That's, that's something totally different. Um, oh, that was no. being born. Yeah. Truly horrifying. Right before I got slapped on the ass. <laughs> no, uh, what, what did it for me the most was when I was younger, I got hooked on, uh, and you know, I've mentioned this on shows before, uh, the 29 classic Nosferatu. Mm. Just, you know, just the way the shadows and everything played and, you know, you had the hand and just, just the subtle changes and everything. I mean, 
I was hooked. And you, you go down this path from that movie, and it, it's a it, it's this rabbit hole of different styles and textures in the film industry and how they come across with a scare is what fascinated me the most. And then this, you know, the stories became second nature. Mm. And then once you kind of figured out, okay, this is kind of how they do the scare. Then you focus a little bit more on the story. Sure. And then the stories became fascinating. So that's kind of where it all started was it. When you're sitting down, you're watching it and you're just like one scared the shit out of me. And then it's just like, okay, how did they do that? So you kind of, you want as humans, you want to dissect everything you see to get a better understanding of things. And for me, it was horror. So uh, it it was, it was very early on. And you said uh, specifically the 1929 uh, Nosferatu, the, the, the Werner uh, Herzog version, um, or, or was it the 22 uh, original uh, Max Schreck version? Uh, the first one I saw was the Herzog one. Oh, okay, nice. And 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 that's kind of interesting. It was, it was. And then yeah, going back to watch. Sure, the- sure. So you um, you really latched on to the imagery of things, and like you said, you know the shadows and you know the 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 hand and you know uh, for for those that know. Nosferatu like it's it's kind of you know iconic imagery of you know his his hand reaching out and you seeing the shadow approaching and um so a lot of that comes from like I said you know the imagery and the set design and that uh now we we jump forward quite a bit but do you think that had anything to do with now I know you personally um once you uh, got into school and and more specifically, probably like junior high and high school, you got yourself into the uh, the drama department, the theatrical side of things. And and you did some acting, but more so your bread and butter was the set design. Do you think some of that kind of carry o- carried over from you watching like some of these early horror movies that were built on huge and great set design. And um, yeah, I think so. Um, Cause when you look at it, well, looking back at it, rather you, uh, you got to get that peek behind the curtain mm-hmm. and while, yeah, you're not on a film set. It, a lot of it's still the same cheats and techniques. And I think it was my junior year, we did Dracula. Okay, nice. So, you know, one of the sets, you know, obviously the main set was interior Dracula's castle. And building that set was phenomenal. And you get to learn a lot of the tips and tricks on how you can make Dracula appear places that he's not. And mm. it's it's just really, I'm probably going to end up using this word a lot, fascinating. But <laughs> just the ways that the industry has to, you know, trick the mind. And when something, and then you also have, the ability to when something if something doesn't exist you make it exist sure and you that gives you the like a power over how this story is told because now you could tell a story 
and let's just say, you know, there's a cat in a field. That's that's the story. There's a cat walking through a field. Now, it's a pretty dull story. But if you were to say there's this cat covered in blood walking through a field of razors under a you know blazing hot sun with like a molten fire backdrop. Okay. That's a pretty visual image you're not going to forget. Right. I, I, I don't know why a cat would be walking through a field of razors, but I don't either, but <laughs> you know, and, and that, that's the, that, that's the key. It's with movies and part of why I like set design is that's what gets the story over is the visual, right? You could have an amazing story, but if you don't have a good visual or a, a story on its surface, you have to hope that the reader has a good imagination. Sure. Otherwise, it could an amazing story could fall flat on its face. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it has to it has to be visually appealing. Um and uh you know that's that's almost why and this goes into a t- entirely different subject but uh to touch on it you know that's kind of why when when people read books they visualize everything themselves and what they end up seeing when it's you know made to film is is different than what they were thinking so you know in in the look of set design and whatnot, you have to make very strong and bold choices that captivate people oh, yeah, in order to suck them in. Yeah. Because that's what you see. You see what is happening before you know what the story is. Well, so, especially with like Dracula. Yes. If, if you're going to see the play Dracula, You've probably read Dracula at some point. You have imagined what Dracula's castle looks like. You've imagined what these characters look like. I don't know what you've pictured. I have to give you my interpretation of what I think, or, you know, as a team, what we think it looks like. And we hope to meet or exceed your expectations right and knock you on your ass to where you enjoy what you're viewing right and there's that sense of pride when you do it when it's just so when the when the story and the visuals just lock together so well that the the audience sits there captivated and is in awe and you know, just the whole thing just comes together, and you're just like, we did it, right? So, with working on Dracula in in high school theater, and you already being a fan of the horror genre and and Dracula specifically, um, you had a plethora of of sources to to pull inspiration from were were there any not obviously you know it's in a high school theater um with with limited resources but what are what are some of the movies that did you use movies as a visual reference did you try to recreate anything we pulled some visual scenes from Dracula with uh, Bela Lugosi. Oh, sorry, Bela Lugosi. Wow. It's a date, man. <laughs> and uh, we also used uh, set references from, interestingly enough, his early sets from his time as Dracula pre-movie. So you actually had looked up yeah, pre-movie reference shots of, of his theater work. Because when, 
when you were when, like when you looked up uh, reference shots for the Dracula set, his whoever the set designer was for that set was phenomenal, and it was such a simple set. You know, like I said, castle backdrop. It could be done many many ways. Sure, and it's simple choices. And it's how you do the textures and the colors and how you light it. And it's, it, it was just mind boggling that you could take such a simple backdrop and make it look like this grandiose architecture. And it's like, okay, we want to do something similar to that. Okay. So you really didn't even pull from film. You you went back to some of the source theatrical, like legit theater theatrical material and and use that as your reference. That's cool. So yeah, we really wanted that like you know, almost gothic cathedral style. Yeah. Cause that that really reads well in the nosebleeds. Right. So your uh, teachers and and directors and whatnot uh, was was Dracula like an important thing to them? Did they care to you know recreate that or or was that something that you had to kind of fight for? <laughs> well, our uh, the stagecraft teacher he he was hard to read when it comes to like what plays really uh, moved him, but sets moved him. Uh, okay. You know, if, if he set out to do a set, we were going to do a set. Sure. It wasn't going to be this chintzy put together, like low budget production. We were going to, you know, you're going to work your ass off. You're going to put together a set. You're you're going to put together a visual that is worth doing. And it there were days it was a pain in the ass, but long run, it's worth it. Yeah. So nice. So you know, um, <laughs> like I said, we're we're looking at Moose's uh, the aspects of what got him into uh, being, you know, such a, a heavily influenced person in the horror genre. And, you know, so it, it's, it's starting to see a little bit of a trend and obviously there's, there's a lot of uh, gaps in between that. I'm sure other things fell in those places, but what's the first thing that you really recall seeing Nosferatu you worked in in theater and set design what was one of the main things that you worked on Dracula vampirism is is a common trend so far it really is and in yeah we'll 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 jump we'll jump a little bit um you on Moose's Monster Mash, have talked to to several uh, celebrity guests and and independent artists and and whatever, and uh, some of those have been your uh, what 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 do you call them? Not legendary. Uh, the legacy episodes. Legacy. Thank you. Your legacy episodes, and one of the. Not the first, but one of one of the first main ones that you got was Bela Lugosi Jr. and and his daughter, uh, Bela's granddaughter. Uh, what was her name again? Lynn. Lynn. And you you talked to them, and so obviously uh, getting to to talk about. Bela Gosi's uh, career uh, with with family was was a big deal uh, for you, but also 
you know, to get, you know, we don't, we don't get new Bela Lugosi things anymore. No, he's been passed for a long time unless we, you know, get another thing like, you know, Ed Wood where, um, uh, Martin Landau, um, you know, portrays him or, or we get a comic book that uses his likeness with, with new stories. Uh, we, we don't really get a lot out of Bela Lugosi anymore. So There's no CGI Bela, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you gave fans an opportunity to, to hear more about his stories and, and then on top of that, uh, continuing with Dracula and vampirism, you interviewed the, I, I'm sure he has other family members, but the, the legacy family member who keeps the, the name going, Bram Stoker's great-grandnephew, Dacre Stoker, um, you talk to him, you know, the, his family created the, you know, the, at least the culture, pop culture version of, of vampires um, and put it into story, um, you know, for for a, a large audience to see. Vampires arguably may have been known and been around since before that. Um, <laughs> you know, that's 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 a say Brom at least. I would say Brom definitely popularized and central, you know, created arguably the most the mainstream story. Yeah. Yep. uh, Vampire story there is. So where I'm going, waxing on, (laughs) um, you not waxing off. Not yet. Um, you you talked to to a couple uh, family members of people who who made vampires and Dracula everything that they are today, and and you know without getting into the cool thing about that just yet, you know what you know what was the goal to to do that? What was you know uh, reaching out to these people? Uh, setting things up, you know, go go into the stories of of setting this stuff up and and building relationships with with some of Dracula's creators. Well, I I, I wanted to know more. Like with uh, when, when I was talking to Bela Junior and Lynn, you know, I I wanted to talk more about Bela's life and things like that and. Like you said, it's not like I can call up Bela Lugosi and be like, hey, you up for an interview? And so I reached out, and they're they're both very protective of his legacy, which you sh- they should be. And, you know, we set up a time to sit down and chat and uh, – talk about talk about his career and his earlier life not so much the his addictions because I think at this point everybody knows about his addiction and his battle with addiction right wasn't really a road I wanted to go down um and that was a I know that was a big concern when I was setting the interview up and I was like, I have no interest in that. I want to talk about what happened afterwards, but as far as the years of the battle, it's not that I don't care. I just, I don't care to go into it. Right. Right. That's not who I am. Right. You're not in so, so many, uh, uh, you know, at, at a certain point when you start interviewing people, and getting news out of them and, and, you know, whatever, at, at a certain point to whatever degree you become a journalist. 
And a lot of uh, uh, people in those realms, just because of the way the Internet is nowadays, like to feed off of the the drama or the negativity. And and, you know, you they can find that somewhere else. Yeah. You you wanted to get, you know, some of some of their more positive and interesting stories out now while. Uh, Bailey ba- Bailey's Bela's drug addiction was essentially used for positivity. You know, that was, you know, also a part of his life and, and his family's life that probably wasn't an amazing time. So why Which focus why on that? It, it, you know, exactly. And that's why I was like, okay, I felt that part should probably just remain their stuff. Yeah. You know, so I wanted to talk about how after he kicked the addiction, he used his, you know, celebrity status for getting people to, uh, you know, if you need help, reach out and get help. I right. thought that was really cool. And when I presented that, they're like, okay, yeah, that's not a problem. I was like, all right, sweet. Because, I, I, you know, I really wanted to drive that home. Yeah. Because, I mean, even today you know, with depression and addicts and things like that, that's still not something people do. It, 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 that's still very much a, you don't reach out when you need the help until it's too late. Right. So when he was uh, using, you know, his celebrity to be like, yeah, you know, I had a problem. He owned it. He's like, and if you have a problem, get help. Don't, don't let it control you, you know, just go get help. It's like, you know, it's probably one of the coolest things I've seen from that era. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 th- I think that's, that's great. Uh, and, and, you know, it was, it was, it was a cool thing for him to do. And, uh, but you know, you, you did some awesome things by talking to, uh, you know, his son and then granddaughter. Um, so then you talked to uh, Daker Stoker. Uh, yes. My, 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 my conspiracy theory spider web. So, <laughs> Oh, inter- I'm, I, I think I, this better be interesting. Well, I, I, I mentioned it in the, uh, anniversary episode sure sure um after i started doing my legacy episodes i wanted to dive deeper into where the stories came from you know like when okay i interviewed sarah karloff i was like well okay obviously boris's main character was frankenstein so Okay, Frankenstein created Mary by Mary Shelley. Okay, is there a way I can track down somebody related to Mary Shelley that I could talk to about the creation and the impact of Frankenstein? Yes. So far, not that I've found. Um, so, same thing with uh, um, the Legosis. I was like, well, let, let's see if I can find someone from the Stoker family to talk to. Cause I mean, like we said, Brahms Dracula is prominent everywhere. Yes. I mean, th- that is the you know romanticized Dracula. Yes. So I started going down all these avenues. I have different leads that I'm chasing hitting dead ends. And it looks like, one of those uh, conspiracy theory boards where you have, you know, the right. picture up here with the string here is like, no, that one didn't pan out. Okay. We'll go up, shoot up here. No. Nope, yeah, nope. yeah. Finally, uh, Dacre lands in my lap from a- another podcaster from the same network. Did an interview with him just, and I just happened to listen to it one day. I was like, Holy, are you kidding me? Right. 
It's like I've been I've been researching and looking and and then boom, like and here he is. A, a yeah. colleague uh already interviewed the guy. <laughs> well, okay. So, you know, I reached out, make sure he was okay with me reaching out to Dacre. He's like, Yeah, sure, you know. He loves to talk. <laughs> and then you found out that he did. Yeah. And he he does. And yeah, Dacre, you know, when I reached out to Dacre, he was more than happy to sit down and talk about all the cool things that he's learned about his because he's as much of a fan as he is a relative. Yeah, and that's well, what that was really cool. I mean you know, chances are to say he he probably didn't even get to meet him. No. Um and you know, so you're you're born into this legacy and you know there's there's a couple ways that it can go. It can go, hey, I'm the great grandnephew of Brom Stoker and then you just like try and reap the benefits. Um or you put in, you know, the work and the energy and you know he's he's done the research into his family and the lore and I mean you can just tell by listening to the guy like he he knows his stuff and, and beyond just Bram Stoker like he knows about vampires and Dracula and their stories outside of just oh, yeah. Brom's work like he's put in you know if if they made a uh, <laughs> a um a class for it uh, that you could get a degree in, he would probably be a doctor. Acula. Dracula. Dr. Acula. <laughs> Dr. Acula. Dracula. Anyway, um, so no, he's he's definitely put the work in to, to keep that name and legacy going on. And, uh, and, and so with all that, through your connections and... And if I'm not mistaken, you were talking to either Lynn first and you're like, yeah, I have an interview coming up with with Daker or you were talking to Daker and you're like, yeah, I I just I interviewed Bela's family. And through that, they they said, oh, we've never we've never met. We've never interacted or or been introduced. And I'm here to tell you, folks. That Moose's monster mash. We'll 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 break it down to real life. My friend Paul introduced the person that made Dracula popular to begin with, and then the person that brought him to life on screen. Uh, he he introduced those families all these years, hundred years later. You know, not not quite, but. Um, Moose is the guy, and yeah, no, that was mind blowing. It was, I was talking to Lynn after we were done with the interview, and we were talking some more about the comic that is out now. Yeah, and she was telling me that uh, Dacre was going to be writing either the forward or the afterward, I think it was the forward. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, that, that that's, I have an interview with him coming up very soon. And she was really, I was like, yeah, you know, so that gives me something else I can talk to him about. And she goes, you know, hey, we've never actually communicated. We always, you know, our, our paths never line up right. So uh, she asked me to relay the email. I was like, yeah, I got no problem being the middleman. Right. And uh, then by the time I'd gotten to talk to Dacre, you know, they'd been emailing back and forth for a few weeks at that point. And I was like, I can't believe you guys hadn't met. And he goes, no, we just, you know, never in the same place, same time. It was always something that, you know, we had planned to happen. It just, it didn't happen. And then, like, earlier this year, uh, 
there was a horror convention in I want to say Minnesota, that region. Okay. Where via Zoom they got to meet face to face for the first time. Nice. So that was that, that was cool to watch because they were like kids on Christmas, man. They just kind of lit up and very cool. So it, it's this last year has been a uh, really big year for those two families. I mean, they they yeah. finally they're merging and becoming one super vampire family. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's great. And, and, you know, uh, it's, it's very cool that, you know, that's, that's one of those. Um, now it's, you know, it's, it's on your podcast and, and, and whatnot, but that's kind of like one of those silent victories. Like, it's something you may never officially get, you know, the credit for, but you know, and, and in the grand scheme of things, like does do, do super fans care where they, you know, where two people met, maybe not, but to know that uh, fans now get to see them interact with each other and, and, and then start to put out material together um, it's very cool to know that a lot of that is because you you lent the assist. Well, and I, I really hope that they have a long and fortuitous relationship together because I, I I think they'll do well together in the Dracula business. I hope their kids meet and make little vampire babies. <laughs> now, speaking of a, a little Stoker Legosis, <laughs> dude. <laughs> anyway, speaking of of a good year, you mentioned that you know they've had a very good year. Uh, you know, uh, uniting their families and and bringing the uh, vampire royalty together. That's awesome. But this isn't a podcast about all of them. Good work on making some of that happen, but a good year, I think, has gone out to Moose's Monster Mash. You, we, you just celebrated your one-year anniversary from your very first podcast, featuring me. <laughs> that's a that's a callback to the beginning. <laughs> um, and um, so. You know, we had you and I had connected previously through uh, uh, going to conventions and meeting each other and then realizing we're both big fans of horror. And and while, you know, there's there's been some stuff going on, um, you know, there's been attempts past podcasts, you know, a couple current podcasts uh, that do focus on horror in the Omaha area. Um, not as prevalent nowadays as you would have liked to have seen. And now a podcast is universal. It can go, it's not, you know, secluded to one area, but you know, it's representation in town, um, has, has dwindled. It's not, it's not a major thing. And you felt you had a voice to bring to the genre, and um so you did you you know you uh had done some some guest spots on the Grawlix podcast talking about the Friday the 13th films and you know a couple other things here and there and then you decided you know what it's time that I start doing my own thing and you created Moose's Monster Mash well it it stems from I, I like talking about horror and horror related accessories. Um, but there, there weren't that many places to go and just talk about it. I hate typing. So, <laughs> so you weren't gonna, you weren't gonna start a review site or a blog. It's site. like, yeah, I'm not starting a blog. I'm not starting. I don't even know if these exist anymore. Chat rooms. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I was like, well, 
I think I can do a podcast, get some people on. We'll just dissect movies. Honestly, I never thought in a million years I would get uh, celebrity guests. Never mm. crossed my mind. Um, I just figured, okay, I'll have some friends on. We'll discuss horror movies and just, you know, talk about the shit we like. The, you know, just kind of naturally progress to the guests. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I really wanted to have a place where you could talk about the thing you like and get an actual conversation about it without the reviews, without the ratings. Cause that's always been my big thing. I don't review or rate the movies. You know, that I'm not a critic. I don't care what you think of the movie. If you like it, you like it. If you hate it, you hate it. That's for you. Sure. I'm not going to tell you to like it or hate it. Right. You know, I'll, I'll give you what I've seen. You, you'll hear me talk a lot about what I really like about a movie. Sure. Rarely will you hear me talk about what I disliked about the movie. You know, because I don't. I don't really see that that's my place because what I don't like about it, you might love. Right. And I came to talk about the stuff I like. Yeah. So that's where we all, that's where this all came from. And then just started reaching out to guests that, you know, I've seen on Facebook or have met at conventions. Well, yeah. And just kind of naturally progressed from there. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like like I said, you had me on as as your first guest, then you had Randy from Grawlix on, and you know, then you had another uh, uh, podcasting buddy, I believe, that you you talked about the Leprechaun films, and yep. I mean, at that point, you know, you're you're starting to move into um, the the realm of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and. And I I think that's where a lot of the, well, you know, it's going to start becoming more difficult for, you know, like these celebrities to, to be doing things because conventions are shutting down and, and it's like, well, I've, I've, I've hung out with some of these people. So, uh, you know, at conventions, you know, at, at uh, Midwest Monster Fest, is that what it's called? And at Midwest Monster Fest and uh, Supercon and. Um, so yeah, uh, you, uh, Crypticon, um, you know, what our, our big one that we go to. And, uh, so yeah, you, you met and, and, uh, became smoking buddies with several people and, and then just stayed in contact and it's like, Hey, I started a podcast. You want to come on and bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, like, you know, who are some of those, uh, so who are some of those people, you know, you, you, you've talked to some really cool people so far and, you know, let's, let's do a, a, a quick rundown of some of the people that you've talked to on your show. Well, there was Rob Mello from happy death day one and two. Yeah. That was, he, uh, interesting. he played the baby face killer. Like yep. he's the guy, he's the slasher. Yep, he was. Uh, uh, oh, I can't even think of his name right now. I have it saved. I have a voice clip from him saved on my computer. Um, but yeah, he, he was uh, started out in the hospital. Um, that was a colorful interview. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Jim Crutt, the helicopter zombie from Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. The original oh. Don, yeah. Uh, there's Sarah Karloff, like I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holy Toledo. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Name 10 candy bars. Uh, you had uh, John Dugan from. Oh, yeah. John Dugan from, from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, talking to Grandpa was fun. Yep. Heck, you, you even had. You know, this this will sound weird for some, but one of my favorite interviews that you've done was you had Bill Der Beaver. 
from Zubily Zoo. Now, why the heck would a cast member from Zubily Zoo be on Moose's Monster Mash? Well, he was the puppet operator for Chucky. He worked on Beetlejuice. He worked on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. That's on the surface. It sounds like a really strange interview, but it's maybe my favorite of yours. It's also had a comic book creator, Phil Hester. Yes. To talk yeah. about his horror comic and yeah. talk Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my, my personal favorite so far was uh, David Desmulchin when we talked oh, yeah. about his comic, uh, Count Crowley. Yep. Yeah. Because it, it dove into the uh, creature feature world. Yep. And horror hosts and whatnot. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So no, that's that's awesome, and and like I said it's it's been a it's been a very solid year uh, of you releasing a new episode towards the end of every month, and and then you know you're you're reaching, uh, hey we're in it, you know it's it's Christmas time baby, <laughs> and and yeah then it, it you wanted to you you've had a good amount of loyal listeners and you wanted to kind of give a gift. I mean, the podcast interviews are already a gift, but how do you give more 13 days, 13 straight days of interviews. And, uh, you know, assuming people have listened, assuming others haven't, and this is the first episode they've ever heard. <laughs> um, who, who are some then of the you're people listening out of order. <laughs> hey, hey, you might have people that go, Oh, Paul's being interviewed. I want to hear his story. So, um, who were some of the cool people that you've interviewed for your 13 days? Well, there's, uh, Robert Schaefer from the psycho cop. And he's also Bob Vance refrigeration expert from the office. Uh, <laughs> and Paul Taylor, uh, played Pinhead in Hellraiser Judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, talked to the guys about this movie filmed in Alaska called Moose the Movie. It's about yep. a killer moose. That was fun. Um, Dennis Tenney from a musical composer from Night of the Demons. I believe all of them. I, I know one and two for sure. Witchboard, Leprechauns 3 and 4, uh, Mick Strawn, who's worked on who's production designer from Nightmare on Elm Street, at least 3 and 4. He's worked on Kazam. There's a fun story about Kazam in his episode. Uh, there's Justin Beam, who works with, like, every... He, he's He has the horror fan stream job. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> he, he works for a lot of the, the boutique, uh, Blu-ray companies that put out, uh, you know, like scream factory or, um, you know, arrow and, and stuff like that. He he's done work for a lot of those de- types of companies and puts out like the, the new restored, blu-rays like the the big uh friday the 13th one that just came out and documentaries and magazines and like you said he's living the dream uh there's a award-winning independent filmmaker from england that i talked to emma dark she's she was a blast to talk to her work's pretty good pretty good really good actually i talked to the guys behind uh Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, Tribute to Terror, which is a uh, tribute book to the original Schwartz and Gamble book series. What's day one? Day one was... Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um... Sandy Johnson from Halloween, Judith Myers. Right. The first kill. 
as I say, his first kill, the one that set him off on the path, forgetting somebody whom, oh, yeah, your wife. I talked to your wife. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> kid. No, I didn't forget about talking to Amanda. I just wanted to give Eddie crap. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, might as well. Uh, it, it hasn't been officially announced yet that I know of, but what is the big headliner of this big 13 day Christmas event. And then the 13th day season two premiere will be Luke Hawker. The guy who plays Krampus, right? Which Krampus Krampus, uh, Michael Doherty, director of, of trick or treat who did his version of Krampus. The, the, I'm not I'm not dissing any of the other Krampus films, but I would say that this is this is Krampus Prime. <laughs> As every other critic has put it, th- th- this is the Krampus. So and and yeah, he's Luke's the stunt actor in the suit and doing the growl and everything like that. So we get a nice look at what it was like becoming Krampus. And how that's really worked for him. So, and and stay tuned for it because the guy has worked on Lord of the Rings and uh, I mean many things, many many things he's worked on. So uh, you're definitely going to want to tune into this episode. It's a very it's a very enlightening episode. So you got into podcasting. You've interviewed all these cool people. Let's let's start to wrap this up. Like what what are just some of the most fun, I don't know, horror movie experiences you've had, your favorite movies, uh meeting meeting cool horror celebrities at conventions, uh you know, anything along those lines. What what makes you a fan? Favorite movie I'd go original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. Um, so far, favorite convention moment was taking Dugan on a panty raid <laughs> at Monster Fest. And okay, so there was this vendor at the show selling these uh, whimsical underwear. Like I, I can't think of all of, you know, what they were, but like on one men's pair. So like busted makes me feel good. And so I was, I was talking to uh, um, Ed Neal about it. And, you know, he's sitting right next to, Dugan, he's like, he's he's laughing his ass off to all the different sayings on the underwear, and dude, you know, John goes, wait, what? And so like, yeah, you know, there's a stand up there, and it has all these different, uh, you know, underwears and things, and he goes, where's it at? I was like, I'll take you up there. He goes, well, I got a piss. I was like, well, we, we can, I'll wait. Yeah. Um, so we get up there. While we're in the bathroom, guy asks him for his autograph. Hmm. And he's like, uh, can you wait? <laughs> As he looks down at himself. You know, and he's like, well, I just wanted to, he goes, can you wait till I get out of here? You know, I mean, I'm kind of busy. Yeah, but it's like, can't you wait till he's at his table (laughs) or at least tell his Becker's not in his hand? I mean, (laughs) at that point, what's he supposed to sign it with? Oh, boy. Uh, So we, you know, get out of the bathroom and we go over and he's looking through all these uh, underwear. I think he buys like three pair to give to his wife. And I mean, he's just like beat red with laughter. He's. 
he's like a little kid. He's like, oh my God, these are funny, you know. Blah, blah, blah. And so the, the joke the rest of the weekend was went on a panty raid with a uh, grandpa. Like, grandpa from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> I took grandpa on a panty raid. <laughs> yeah, it's what, what, what crazy stories uh, conventions can bring when you run into, uh, you know, different fans and, and horror celebrities and, and whatever. And uh, yeah, just, you know, it, it, it helps build memories and, and, you know, a couple years from now, you're going to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre just sitting there and grandpa, grandpa's going to come on screen, you know, and whack that bitch. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you're just going to like, just start laughing. Oh yeah. Cause you, you, you know, the memory triggered like, Oh man, I, I went and looked at panties with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I would say that this is a good stopping point in the show. Uh, listeners, I, I hope you had fun. Uh, this is not about me being a guest. This is this is about hearing some of our friend Paul and and host Moose's story. And um, yeah, um, like I said, I, I I hope it's interesting to you. How how do people get to these points in their lives? And and I think this, in a small way, covered the gamut of of what in lies moose i'm gonna take back over my show now okay. uh mr uh, zombilly oh yes where can listeners keep up with uh everything you're up to because you come on the show quite a bit so it'd be well, good to uh, sure. let them know where to keep up with you okay so get your your pencils typewriters Beckers. What? Phones <laughs> <Bones> ready. <laughs> because here's where you can check out anything that I do. I'm a musician. I can I can point you in the direction of music to listen to. Go to iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, anywhere that you get your main music and check out relevant to a horror show like Moose's Monster Mash. I play in a horror punk band much like the Misfits called Graveyard Smash. I play in a band called Before I Burn. We have even songs little old ladies like that even little old ladies like uh, <laughs> um and I have my own podcasts. I am on Daydream Instruction Manual. That is a your your nerdy nostalgic guide through the galaxy, the galaxy. of <laughs> nerddom. Just make sure that you, um, uh, I forget it's Golka. It, it's other hosts, Mike Golka's line. It's, uh, the third portal to the left. I believe if it's the right, then I don't know which one. I don't know where you're going. <laughs> you can, you can listen, you can listen to that. And my other podcast, The Major World Order, a podcast uh, talking about um, wrestling collectibles uh, and is a, a spinoff fan podcast to the Major Wrestling Figure podcast featuring uh, former WWE superstars Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, now known by the real names Matt Cardona and Brian Myers. All those podcasts be, can be listened to on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, pretty much wherever podcasts are listened to. <sighs> I could just keep going. I'm involved in a lot of things. Check out Eddie and the Star Cruisers on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Check out my Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Zombilly Horror. And if you follow that, you will then be able to get to anywhere I do things. That's a lot of stuff that I do. I try and stay busy and I try and deliver as much, hopefully, fun and creative things for people to enjoy. 
And like always, those links will be in the episode description for easy access. So you don't have to try to remember everything he just said. He does. Yeah, I have to remember it all. (laughs) And of course, like always, you can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com or as Zombilly mentioned, uh, you can check out my wood burning uh, over at Eddie and Star Cruisers on Facebook or in All Encompassing. Find me on Twitter at Moose Media Inc. Uh, you want to sign off or am I signing off? Uh, well, I mean, this is your show. Oh, okay. You took over. I mean, what? Do you want me to tell them to, to monster mash on? Until next time, horror hounds. Mash on. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and you don't lose that spirit. Come back tomorrow for another of Moose's 13 horrifying days of Christmas. Or Krampus will come for your soul. Ha 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 ha